Hello, and welcome to the Move with Love podcast. I'm your host, Bree Johnson of Heart and Bones Yoga. This podcast is a love letter to yoga teachers, where we talk about the parts of teaching yoga you probably didn't get in your teacher training. Like, what do you do about the doubts, fears, and worries about your teaching in your classes? Well, I've been teaching yoga and teacher trainings for almost 20 years, and let me tell you, I have been there. So each episode is a love letter to you to inspire your teaching and help you be more confident in who you are as a teacher so that you can get out there and help more people move with love. Have you ever wanted to quit teaching yoga? I know many of us have been there. And this episode is going to talk about why doubt is a good thing and especially why moments of confusion or crisis in our yoga and our teaching and in life in general is actually a good thing. I'm going to share my yoga existential crisis that I had many years ago and how it wasn't easy. It was not fun. I did not enjoy going through it, but how it really actually was maybe one of the best things that have ever happened to me as a teacher. I'm not sure exactly when my yoga essential crisis really began, but there is one moment that stands out around 2002 where I was sitting on the steps of an Ashtanga yoga studio that I was practicing at the time with my best friend. We had just finished a class where I'd hit the last straw. I hit the last straw because I remember being in a revolved twist, Marichyasana D, I believe, where, you know, your legs are in this half lotus position, you've got your arms twisted around you in a bind. And I was at the front of the class. And as I was twisted around, I could turn around and see everyone behind me. And as they were attempting the pose, I saw a lot of varying levels of discomfort. Spine and shoulders were rounded, people struggling to bind their hands, looking at the teacher helping them out, trying to pull the hands together even more. And this was a level one class. And at that moment, it became so abundantly clear to me that this couldn't be good for the people's bodies. The struggle that I could see on their faces and this pushing into shapes that maybe weren't that good. And remember, though, where this was 2002, long before the term movement science or biomechanics reached the yoga world. This was also before Lululemon and an overly commodified yoga culture. Though, depending on where you lived in the world in 2002, yoga was really starting to explode. But back to the steps with my best friend. Her and I were debriefing the class in my wake-up call. And after much debate and discussion about what we've been taught about yoga and yoga asana, things like it's not an injury, it's an open, an opening, which is really specifically what my Ashtanga teacher said to me at the time, one conclusion that I came to, which was, I'll do my own fucking yoga. And at that time, I had yet to find a style of teaching and of yoga or a teacher that I resonated with. And dabbling in the Ashtanga world cemented for me that my path forward was one that was for myself and not adhering to trends or a specific style or approach. So I wish I could say that at the, after that moment, boom, done, it became super clear and easy and I never doubted myself in yoga again. <laughs> but of course, that's not true. So while my 22-year-old self said in a bit of frustration, I'll do my own fucking yoga, that was more of a seed that was planted rather than a clear call to arms and clarity around my path moving forward. So speaking of moving forward, let's fast forward to 2012. 
I call it, that was 10 years later, I call it the year of the guru as it seemed a number of famous or relatively famous male yoga teachers seemed to fall off their pedestals. One of the more famous one being Anusarad and yoga founder John Friend, if any of you will remember those days. And oh my, they were very interesting times in the yoga world. A number of years earlier, I had my own experience of being with one of the, quote, fallen teachers and had a firsthand glimpse in the power dynamics, and it was pretty enlightening. But I won't go into details on that, maybe in the future, maybe in another episode. And yet, though, because of my experiences with this other teacher, it was really interesting to watch parts of the yoga world crumble like that. And in my own personal life, I was feeling lost, though, and I was really conflicted about what I wanted to teach and what I was previously taught and what success as a yoga teacher looked like. Because in 2012, it was the rise of the yoga festival. It was the rise of the yoga teacher celebrity and yoga magazine covers with skinny white women doing fancy poses and yoga classes that were packed to the brim of people doing hot yoga or hardcore vinyasa flow and really the yoga industrial complex was booming. And me in my personal life at that time, I was also in the throes of early motherhood with a two-year-old who really fit the description of terrible twos. So by this point, I'd been teaching yoga for almost 10 years and was starting to feel the pressure of matching my teaching to what it seemed like everyone else was doing and wanting. It felt like strong vinyasa flow, hot yoga studios were the hot ticket. And if I wanted to be successful in my career as a teacher then I needed to start teaching at yoga festivals, doing big fancy poses in my practice and classes, and adhering to what seemed kind of really what the mainstream wanted. But I couldn't do it. It's not me. And really, after teaching yoga full time for 10 years by that point, I couldn't disregard my experience about what the people coming to my classes needed for healthy movement. And honestly, that other type of yoga did not feel like yoga to me. And I mean that with love and care, the yoga that I had experienced in my early days as a yoga student, where it was filled with this wonder and spirit and a yoga that was really rooted in yoga and not this physical practice of getting that yoga butt and yoga gurus and celebrities. So seeing so many different ages and abilities of people in my classes who were trying to fit their bodies into various yoga poses I got to a breaking point where it just was not working for me anymore. And to be honest, I've always been the teacher who's gravitated more towards a gentle or more alignment focused approach. I still felt the pressure to give people more flow, more strength and more of a push that in my view, didn't look like it was actually giving most people what their body needed. Hmm. So I struggled. I did. Absolutely. I struggled. I struggled with doubts about myself and my teaching. I tried teaching classes that were more flowy and inwardly cringed when I saw chaturangas and updogs that just seemed wrong and painful in people's shoulders. And yet I couldn't stop the flow to teach better form because it was a flow class. And so I ended up walking away from those classes feeling even more conflicted even feeling more pressure of giving people what they thought they wanted and me wanting to give them what I thought they needed. (sighs) It was challenging and I did not have the proper education to back up my instincts on this. I really only had my 10 years of teaching experience and a strong gut feeling. 
So I continued in this, in this vein of doubt and questioning, and I continued parenting a spirited two-year-old in combination of that. And it was, especially at this time where it really came to a head, it was 2012 and it was winter time. And I was in a small Rocky Mountain town where, you know, I felt so constricted with the cold weather and a cranky two-year-old and teaching and all this stuff. And that was just the existential crisis really came to a head. But luckily, it seemed others were feeling from the frustration of the yoga world as well. And the internet became a savior for me in a lot of ways. Because there were other yoga blogs or there were yoga blogs out there and they were actually quite big at that time. And I had found blogs that had similar thoughts about the male yoga teacher's abuse of power, the explosion of the commodification of yoga. And I even started my own called The Guru Within. <laughs> Long defunct, you won't be able to find it on the internet anymore, but that was my starting, my foray into really starting to cultivate and create language and dialogue around what I was seeing in, in the yoga world and that sense of conflict, right? That, that popularized version of yoga and the pressure to conform to it. And yet it wasn't working with who I am and what I thought yoga really needed at that time. So it helped to bolster me during those times being on the different blogs and writing my own blog. And in my internet searches, I ended up finding the work of Katie Bowman. And if you haven't heard of her, she's a biomechanic scientist who is one of the first people out there, at least that I was aware of at the time, who was educating people around healthy movement, good postural alignment. And when I found her, it felt like she was speaking to what I was intuiting about the different aspects of the physical yoga practice you know, about those really big ranges of emotions, not really being that great for different bodies. And now learning from her, I had the science to back that up. So of course I took her side of certification course, which was a game changer for me in many ways, because it did, it gave me the clarity and really most importantly, the confidence that I desperately needed and des desperately been searching for over the years. And it became the springboard for me in learning even more things about the body, taking other courses, doing, you know, a five-day cadaver dissection course. It just became this beautiful awakening of applied anatomy and movement and things, learning things that I did not even come close to learning in my teacher training and even in yoga workshops that I had taken over the years. So learning all of that movement education and applied anatomy was truly the missing link. And the beautiful thing is, is now over eight years later, it's been such a big shift in my teaching. And I'm truly honored to be able to share this more sustainable approach to yoga with people and other yoga teachers around the world. So now that all sounds like a happy ending, doesn't it? And in some ways it is, but Nothing has ended, and my learning and growth continue daily in so many ways. Because the whole point of what I want to share with you here is that we need these times of struggle and questioning in our teaching. If we don't have them at some point, then I'm not sure if we're really growing. Because I look back on those years now and see how hard it was to find my voice as a teacher, to trust my gut and teach in the way that I knew to be truly supportive to those who came to my classes. And especially to teach that way in the midst of a yoga culture that felt like the opposite of what I wanted to teach. So let me be real here. I struggled in those times. 
As I started to shift my teaching, I received poor feedback from some people. When I changed what I was doing, I doubted myself time and time again. But sticking with it, listening to my gut, listening and trusting my heart, what happened over time is that people started to really love it. And those who didn't, what went away and that was great and it wasn't personal (laughs) they wanted the flow class they wanted their chaturangas and I was able to say no I'm not going to teach that and then when I said yes to the things that I actually wanted to teach my classes started filling up and in fact what was even extra rewarding was that some of the people who did end up walking away from those classes ended up coming back and felt the difference in their body and that was a big win of course But it was close, my friends. Honestly, it was very close. I almost succumbed to the desire of fitting in because teaching the way that I actually wanted to teach wasn't sexy or popular. But as Brene Brown says, fitting in is the opposite of belonging. And and I think that's huge. I think that's a huge part of any existential crisis. We don't know where we belong which is no surprise in a world that is built on colonization, appropriation, oppression, and we're social creatures. It's how we're wired and fitting in can give you the perception of belonging. But fitting in means that we have to adapt ourselves to fit into our chosen group. Where belonging means that if we don't have to change to be part of a group, we're simply welcomed as we are. Living in a world including a yoga culture that can feel like you have to fit in to belong or have worth makes it even harder to show up as yourself. So no wonder so many yoga teachers who don't fit into the cultural norms of what we see on Instagram and the yoga journal, those really flexible, skinny, white yoga teachers, if you don't fit into that, you may not feel like you belong. This is the awareness and this is the magic. That moment of crisis, doubt, or confusion is where we get to learn and grow. And these feelings that arise, this is where we really get to bring yoga to life. Because that kind of work is not easy or comfortable and in fact can be contrary to what popular yoga culture teaches us in terms of love and light, get on your yoga mat and all problems will be solved. We've all heard that rhetoric in yoga. So... Sure, (laughs) yoga has made a huge difference in my life, but what's made the difference in my life is actually doing the real work of self-awareness. Feel your feelings. Look at these feelings. Notice where they're coming from. Ask yourself, what's at the root of it? Because for me, the root of my existential yoga crisis was that I struggled with doing something outside of the mainstream. I struggled with listening to my gut instead of listening to others. I struggled with wanting to make a living at this job where it seemed the only way forward was to start teaching and practicing in a way that did not resonate and not how I wanted to represent yoga. But again, I had to go through those times of doubt and lack of clarity. There was no magic wand to make me help me get out of it. There was no yoga guru, there was no yoga style, or ultimately anyone else that would make that work easier for me. It had to be done, and it had to be done by me, looking within and being honest with a lot of things about myself. For example, you want to get over the other side of a mountain? How do you get there? Well, you have to climb it. The easy way out isn't the sustainable way out. 
You can take a ride up the mountain, and you can go up the gondola, it'll get you there. But if we haven't done the work of moving through these fears, and they're going to keep coming up, up and up and up until we make friends with them. So walk up that mountain, put one foot in front of the other, say yes to the discomfort, because you know it's going to move you forward through change. Because in my experience, everyone, this is worth it. This work is our yoga. This work makes us a better teacher and human. So I invite you to let your feelings of doubt lead to questions. Why do I doubt myself? Are my fears true? Is there another way to look at this? And what can I learn from these feelings or this situation? Because this is a secret. The questions are our answers. The questions keep us out of being defined by our doubts and fears. And the questions lead us in new directions and a new way of thinking. Just because you're feeling doubts, and maybe you're in an existential crisis of your own, it doesn't mean it's going to last. It does not mean you're a bad teacher. In fact, the way that I see it, these times are necessary, they're meaningful, and it's what's going to make you become an even better teacher. So please keep asking questions, my friends. Please keep showing up with love, care, and compassion for yourself because this is where the magic happens. This is where the change goes. And don't quit the yoga. Don't quit looking within. And especially in the times that we're in, in the world that we're in right now, now more than ever, the work we do within our hearts helps us to help others do that same work in themselves. So yeah, yoga existential crisis, not fun at the time. Yoga existential crisis, one of the best things to happen to me for yoga? Absolutely. And that's moving with love for me in that case. And I hope it inspires you to ask more questions with more care and compassion. Trust yourself. And as always, continue to move with love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here. You can find me, me, Brie Johnson, over at heartandbonesyoga.com, where we have a very popular, amazing, wonderful online yoga studio with people from all over the world who are moving with love in fabulous, sustainable ways with me and beautiful guest teachers. And we also have teacher training programs, continuing education, and a whole lot more there. So head over to heartandbonesyoga.com, head over to Instagram, Facebook, and heart and bones where you'll find more tutorials and tips and probably a lot of goofiness and some silliness too so thank you oh leave a leave a review subscribe to the podcast all that other fun stuff and we'll see you in the next episode